Hello everyone, home is where the heart is. The heartful interaction between parents and their children sets the foundation for the people our children will turn out to be. Home is a show where we will be exploring on how parents can navigate the realities of raising our future leaders. My name is Eva Christodoulou and I'm with the research and development team here in Leaderonomics. Welcome home. It is likely that during our child's childhood years, we will hear them say often enough that they are ready to give up on something. Now, this can be an activity that we force on them, or it could be an activity that they initially showed interest on um, themselves. Um, Either way, for some reason, they are just finding it a little bit hard and they just want to stop. To explore a little bit on different strategies that we can use as parents to deal with such situations, we have here with us today Rachel Quaz. Rachel is a child and family development specialist and she has had years of international experience working with children, training teachers, uh, leading and developing curriculum for childcare centers and being a parent educator. Rachel specializes in babies and toddlers of three years and under and focuses on equipping and empowering parents with tools for respectful parenting through the Rachel method. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. All right, so, so Rachel, having worked with so many children and parents uh, so far, how often do you see this behavior? Children uh, basically wanting to quit. If you're a parent, you know that this happens all the time. Mama, I don't want to do it anymore. Mama, it's so hard. Mama, what am I doing? And I mean, let's be honest, as a mom, there are times where I want to quit. And I'm like, what have I signed up for? Yeah, so it happens all the time. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. So uh, is there a particular age that you, 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 you find that children are more prone to this quitting behavior? Not really. It spans across all the way from when they're young. You watch the way they play, you watch the way they interact, and you watch as it gets hard, and they might leave it for a while and then come back to it. Um, All the way to I'm 35 or 36 this year. Welcome to 2020. I'm 36 (laughs) this year. Just the other day I was like, this is so hard. What am I doing? Um, And you will see that it happens at every stage in life. All right. Okay. And um, What's the science behind it? You, you, you were telling me earlier that the, this the whole neuroscience that explains why this happens. Yes. So if you think about how our brains develop, if you think about how little kids develop, not just little kids, but also adults, you know, the core of your brain is your gut brain and your gut brain asks, am I safe? So whenever something like this happens, the first question to ask is, why? What is the fear behind this? Why are they wanting to quit? Why are they running? Run? Because um, in your fear brain, there's fight or flight, right? So kids and adults and everyone does one of four things when you're afraid. You run, you freeze, you numb, or you please. And so then the first question is to ask um, their gut brain, their rudimentary brain, why are they afraid of this? And then the next comes the connection. The next comes your heart brain, which which searches for um, community, which searches for love, which searches for support. So there's your gut brain, your heart brain, and then there's your thinking brain. Your thinking brain is where everybody thinks everybody lives in. The thinking brain is like the um, what we hope All kids are always in because that's where your rationalization happens, your problem solving, your um, higher critical skills, right? And so the problem with a lot of this is that learning cannot happen without support or safety. 
So without kids feeling safe or supported, right. learning cannot happen. So a lot of times when, when, when people are talking about like, well, why do you want to quit? Like, if you quit, you'll let people down. Or if you quit, you won't be able to do this later in life. If you quit, you know, we sit down and we rationalize all these things. And it's all going in one year and going out the other year. Just the other day, I have this intense, ridiculous fear of swimming alone in a pool. Right. And so I'm swimming alone in this pool and, and, and my 2020 uh, goal has been I'm going to start working out every day. And so I start working out every day and I'm so sore from the workout before. And I know that the only way I'm getting um, a workout in is if I get in the pool. And right. so because it's a lot kinder in my body. So I get in the pool and I'm swimming and it's dark and I know the pool is going to shut down anytime, which means the lights are going to go off. And there's a fear in your brain that is irrational because it's like a monster is going to come eat me, a shark is going to eat me, I'm going to drown. Like all these bad things are going to happen. And I am a 35-year-old adult and I just want to get out of the pool, run and go home. So imagine for a small right. child. Yeah. And so like imagine for a smaller child. So that is my gut brain going, ah! And then comes your, my heart brain and my husband. Because you know, when you're a mom, right? There's all these mom duties that you have to do. So you're, you only get out at like nine, right? Sure. And um, my, uh, so we put our kid to sleep. And so my husband has to stay in our apartment to watch the kid. But yes. he says, the, the heart brain, he appeals to my heart brain. He said, I'm going to sit out here on the balcony and I'm going to watch you swim and make sure nothing bad is going to happen to you, right? So he appeals to my safety. I'm going to keep you safe, but more so than that, I'm going to support you. I'm in this with you. And then I can rationalize, get to my rational part of the brain, which is don't run, take a deep breath. You can do this. Let's do this, right? You're going to feel so much better after this. Right. You're going to feel um, like you've achieved something. So then, again, for a kid, this is me as, as an adult. So for a kid whose prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until they're 25, imagine how scary that world feels when you go to a ballet class or you go to a yoga class or you go to um, a robotics class, right? That's the new favorite thing now. Yes. And you have no idea what's going on. There's all these social things that are happening. I feel left out or I don't know these, these people are new. I don't know what the teacher is talking or maybe I, I tried it and I failed at it. And something, you know, for little kids, it's always little things that trigger them. So then it's, it's so important to ask what happened, why? That's interesting because what you're saying essentially is that you need someone there to understand your fears That's and help you through the whole process of overcoming them. But the interesting thing is that adults can actually talk and explain what's going on. Yes. Irrational as it may sound, but but a small child cannot really explain because yes. they don't really know that you know this is what's going on in my brain. So even though they're scared, they don't exactly know how to explain it, even though it might sound irrational. So how, how as a parent do you get to understand what they're going through? So I think a big key part of respectful parenting is observing your child, right? right. And okay. so for a little child that might not have words, that's if, if you're close enough, if you're connected enough, if you are observing enough, you're going to see the little cues. So if okay. you can step in when the little cues happen, then you are able to help, like prevent tragedy from happening, right? Like, and we call that trauma with a little T. So these little traumas with a little T is what then affects them in the long run, is what creates these fears, is what yeah. creates these long-term damage. Um, and so one of the big things that we really want to be able to do is... Um, one is prep them for it. So with little kids, are you prepping them for what they're about? It's this thing that I call the police tool. 
And so are we prepping them? Are we telling them what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What day is it going to happen? Do you have a consistent enough routine? Do they know who the teacher is? Do they know where they're going? Do they know what is expected? Do they know what happens if they get scared in the class? If they have a question, are they allowed to ask something? For my daughter, preparing her for school was as small as saying, Mama, put a jacket in your, in your, in your bag, and if you get cold, you can ask your teacher for the, for the jacket. You know, it's little small things like that. Um, my daughter, Ella Grace, um, was signed up for this yoga class because they have, you know, in schools now, they have all these fancy, lovely programs that are like... <laughs> and so it was an after-school program. Yes. And so what we noticed was as she's taking this class, she's just sitting on the outside. She's not really participating. Um, and she's not really wanting to do anything, you know. And the teachers say, do we pull her out? Is she scared? Um, and, and so we sit down with her. And she's two at this point, right? So she has no words. Um, she, she can tell you yes or no. Um, and we prepped her. No, we tell her about yoga class. We tell her, like, who the teacher is. We tell her what yoga is, how it feels, and how she's going to change. when she. So, you know, we've prepped everything. But... You know, something is still off because she's still on the side, sort of not really saying anything. Kind of, yes. if you've ever worked with toddlers, they're just quiet, right? They, they, it's neither, they're neither screaming, but they're neither like, yeah, let's do it. You know, they're yes. just observing. And so then the next thing is to listen. It's to ask her, is there, is there anything that is bothering you? And, and, and she says, no. Um, you, you look a bit, you look a bit, nervous you know you look a bit scared are you are you just observing and she nods yes then we ask her do you still want to be part of this class and she says yes okay so we're keeping her in this class so we're, we we listen we hear her and then we acknowledge we say you still want to be part of this class but you don't want to go in yet you just want to watch and she says yes so she feels acknowledged she feels heard um and then we empathize sometimes starting new things are a bit scary Oh, definitely. Right? Sometimes starting new things are, are so hard and you just want to watch. You just want to see what she's going to do because this is a new stranger that's coming in, right? So empathizing, acknowledging is really getting in the boat, you know, sitting with her in those hard feelings. Um, and so sitting with her for different children will take a certain amount of time. So for her, it was an entire semester of sitting on the outside, sitting on the outskirts of this class, just observing. And bless her heart, and bless the teachers that are part of this who understand this theory. They just sat with her, and they would just say, every class they would invite her, would you like to be part of this? And she would say, every class she'll say, no, I just sit here. I sit here, um, and I sit here, watch. And they would say, okay, you sit here, watch. If any time you want to come in, you can come in, you just let me know. And if any time you feel scared, we'll come sit with you. And then the most magical part is um, at the end of the semester, one day out the blue, she gets up, goes, joins in, knows every single move that they're doing. <laughs> she's never done it the whole term, but the whole term she's been observing, the whole term she's been learning, the whole term she's been watching, but she just wasn't ready, right? She needed to feel loved. She needed to feel safe. She needed to feel supported. And then learning could happen. And then she felt empowered enough to join in. She felt confident enough. I mean, she was doing moves that I can't even do. Like, she would, she'll tell me, like, Mama, this is the downward dog, right? This little kid that doesn't speak anything but was listening. 
yes. and was paying attention. So it's sort of giving them the time, and sometimes that time is a whole semester worth of time. So it, it takes yeah. a lot of patience from the parents, though, because a lot of parents would have given up and said, "I'm not paying for this class. Yes. She's not even going." Yes, yes. So. I mean, like, I, definitely at the start, because I think. As parents, you're like, am I making the, the right decision? I think as a parent, one of the hardest decisions that you ever have to make all the time is, am I making the right decision? Am I, is this where I need one to take? Am I doing a good enough job? Like, yes. what am I doing? <laughs> yes. Right, and I think for parents, what you have to remember is that kids, different kids develop at different stages, right? And different kids, for some kids, it may be, for some things, they might master it in two days. For some things, it might take an end of the semester. Um, I think, think about us, like when we're trying new things, like I told you at the start is, I'm, I'm learning to be my healthiest uh, workout self. And it is, <laughs> we're, in, we're in, the, what, in the middle of February, January Shiny now. January. <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, oh, I'm so done. It's, it's only been a month, right? And that's why resolutions don't work, because yes. you are... Are you willing to commit? Are you willing to um, sit in the heart of it? You know, like, because my husband's sitting out there with me on the balcony, and then I can go another day, right? So are you willing to make those connections, those relationships? Are you willing to sit there with them, even in the heart? Because that's really how you build resilience for little kids, is you say, I will sit with you in the heart. I won't solve it for you. I won't cure it for you. I won't fix it for you. I will sit here and ask you. And I, I think, again, for her, it was constantly checking back with her. Is this something that you still want to do? It was observing. So she's still in the class. She still wants, she's still paying attention. So then it was saying, okay, she still has an interest in it. She's just not ready yet. She's just waiting. So what would you have done if she said, no, I don't want to be part of this class? So would you just take her out yeah. and try something else? So I think what I would do if, if she had said, no, mama, I don't want to do it, then a big important, again, is to ask why. So what, oh, you know, why, why don't you want to do it? So acknowledging is so important to acknowledge and empathize. You don't want to do this anymore. Because I think a lot of times parents say, oh, but if I say that, then it will tell them that you're allowed to quit, right? But so, so often what children need is for, to share the experience with you. And so for me to say, you don't want to do this, this class anymore. This class just doesn't feel good. Can you tell me about the feeling? What, what happens in your body? So sort of like they will say, I feel... They might not... They, depending on how often you have these conversations with them, um, a, a child that's more open to talking about feelings might off the bat say, I feel really scared. Or I feel like I, I, feel like I don't know how to do it. Or I feel very left out. You know, right. a kid that's yeah. more exposed to words like that. But more often than that, with parents that are just on this, the start of their respect for parenting journey, the start and the mindful and, and like sitting here going, yeah, my kid's never going to say that, <laughs> right? Um, what will come out is that I, I don't like it. I don't like the teacher. Um, it's not fun. I'm very bored. It's so boring. Yes. And so a lot of times it's, but what is really happening? Oh, it's really boring. What makes it so boring? What makes it fun? So then really asking these questions that really get to the bottom of the iceberg, really get to the bottom of the thing, which usually comes from some amount of, I feel rejected, I feel left out, I feel like I'm not enough. So it usually comes from some uh, form of fear, um, or if they're bored, or if they just genuinely have no interest in it. Um, then it's allowing them to say, I, actually, I just, I would rather go do that. Right? It's knowing your child's personality. I yes, think definitely. we forget so many times that our superpower is our mama gut. 
right? And that we know our child the best. Like I can sit here and give you all the theories and all the questions to ask, but most of the time you already know where this is going. Most of the time you already know, ah, they're just, that something else is going on here. So then being vulnerable enough to ask those questions is really important. Yeah, we, we actually had that experience with my, my son last year. He, yeah. he, I, was, I was telling you earlier as well. So uh, he, he basically used to take this speech and drama class for yeah. two years, yeah. one, one and a half years. In, he decided, oh, the class is really boring. I don't want to yes. do it anymore. And he's, he's five. So, so, I mean, speech and drama is not really that uh, serious of a topic yeah. for us to uh, be really upset if he gives it up or anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah. at the same time, I also didn't want him to quit because yes. I didn't want to just give up because you feel that it's a little bit harder than than usual so um but but it kept going on and on and on and uh, we we finished the year so i i asked him to finish the year and yes. give it a, sh- a shot at yes. least for the year but yeah. um yeah this year he's not carrying on anymore yeah. uh, he's just trying something else but um it, it was interesting when i went and spoke to the teacher as well to find out what's what's been going on from his side of the story mm. and uh, and then uh, you know he explained how he had uh, a lot more responsibility to to focus on what the other kids were doing as well so that mm. he knows his parts to come in for the skit that they were practicing and all that so so then I got to understand a little bit more about you know what was going on Um, because my son talks a lot but whenever I ask him things he just yeah how was school today oh great you know you're just dumb that's that's all I get really so so it's really hard to go through the the feelings, like you you yes. said, he's not gonna tell me how he feels <laughs> and all this, even though he talks nonstop usually. Yeah. yeah. So um, what we always say is, you know, go back to your police tool. So prep. Yeah. So let's look for a time and space that is that is that he can have this conversation. Sometimes we have these conversations after school, and I don't know about you, but when I come home from work, my brain is exhausted. I'm some form of hungry, yes. some form of tired, some form of just done with everybody and done with like people and. I just need quiet for a while. So I think really being mindful about when you're having these conversations is so important. Um, uh, We always say halt. So if they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that is not the time to have a conversation. So that is a big part of prep is even selecting a good time to have it are they do they feel connected to you like have you had time to play with them um, usually we say if you've had time to play and connect and like they feel somewhat like uh, a lot more at ease so yes like if they feel a comfortable to comfortable share to share connected they feel like i can trust you they yes. feel like you're safe they feel like mama's on my side they're a lot more yes. likely to open up so that's a big part of like when to have those conversations so prep um the next time the next one is to l which is listen so then it's asking him, um, what's his name? Ezra. Ezra. Yeah, you really don't want to go for speech and drama anymore. Could you tell me why? And he'll just be like, I just don't want to. I don't like it. <laughs> you really don't like it. But I, I, really, I really want to understand. I really want to be able to help you. I really want to understand all the feelings that are, that are associated with this. What can you tell me? Or, or, or maybe... You know, if they, there's no things that you know that he likes about the class, talking about that, like, oh, what do you like? And um, I think so many times we make it a bit too open-ended, for especially for little kids. So for little kids, you want to make it a little bit more directed. Right. Um, as they get older, you can go more open-ended, like, what are, what are things you enjoy? Or like, you may say, instead of what are the things you enjoy, what's something fun that you did today that made you laugh? 
you know, then they, they, that, that's a little bit more specific than what do you enjoy because you yeah, sit down and you think like, what do I enjoy <laughs> about this, you know? Or you say, who made you laugh today? Or what were you dressed as today? What was your favorite part of the costume today? Yes. You know, so things like this that sort of like give them a direction on where to start opening up, remember, because you want to like prime them. And then really as they are telling you these small stories, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're testing to see if I tell you my sm small stories, do you listen, do you acknowledge, or do you um, reject my experience? Because, you know, so very often we do it in the smallest and littlest of ways. Um, they say, today I was, uh, I was, oh, mama, I was a pirate and I was poking my friend, right? Then immediately we go to like, hey, you cannot hit your friend. Like, don't hit your friend. Like, da, 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 da. And we go off into this, like, long lecture tangent. And it tells him, okay, I told her a small story. And it's not safe. So I can't really tell her about, like, this fear, this, this, this yucky inside. And so you listen and you ask, what's going on? Tell mama what's going on. I really want to understand. I really want to help you. Um, something is happening. So it's not saying you are feeling this way. It says something is happening to you. So it's, it's acknowledging that something is happening, right? Then right. you empathize. So uh, they might say, I just don't like the teacher. Or I just don't like, I don't like, I'm so bored. Like, you know, like I'm so bored when I have to wait for my friends. Um, you're really bored when you have to wait for your friends. And then it's almost saying, what could be underneath this iceberg? And I think a lot of times it might be the pressure to perform, the pressure to be right. Um, like if you forget your lines, do people make fun of him? Or is like, he's, like you said, he's just stepped up a role this year, right? He went from yep. like supporting cast to lead cast. And, and, and that feels very important. And that suddenly feels like a lot of pressure. And that suddenly feels like, oh man, if I mess up, like they've given me this big role. Sometimes it's easier just to quit. Sometimes it's easier just to say, I don't want to do it. Then yep. I won't embarrass myself. And the thing is like, as a parent, you might do all these things, but they will find people around them that, that yes. tell them the opposite. So yes. somehow you need to create that figure out a way to right. get them to see that, you know, sometimes you just have to block it out and, and do your own thing. I hear from the school as well. They would say things like, no, no, this year you have to be really good because yes. you have to do yes. this and you, yes. you're standing in front so of So exactly, you know? it's so like, these voices. It's just five. And that's exactly why... He's feeling the pressure, and that's yeah, that because yeah. you know the people around him are making him feel like unsafe, like holy, like that is a <laughs> lot of stuff going on. Like I'm going to let down a lot of people. I'm a big boy now, and I really want to be a big boy, but like maybe I'm not capable. Maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm really scared. Maybe if I just say I don't want to do it, I can go back to playing a small role, right? And what we're preparing them is for life later on when they are in an organization and asked to take out a bigger step and they get scared. What we want them to be able, because everybody around them is telling them, putting a lot of pressure on them yes. or telling them that they can't do it. What we want to be able to build in them is one, be able to build in them resilience. We want to be able to build in them that... Um, their support system around them that keeps them grounded and keeps them rooted, right? And so that's right. what you're doing right now. You okay. are providing that support system. You are the one that's saying, I'm going to keep you rooted. No matter what goes on in the world around you, no matter what, we are going to learn who you are, what you're capable of, and, and just what is your gift to the world, right? So we, we prep them, we listen, we empathize, um, we allow and we acknowledge, we acknowledge the experience, we acknowledge... Sometimes, Ezra, it's a lot of pressure when your teacher says that. 
right? Sometimes we're afraid to have these conversations because we say, but he didn't even say, I don't want to put ideas in his, his mouth. But kids are so perceptive, you know, and you'll notice that when you say that, he'll get quiet. He may or may not nod. He may or may not cry. But if he's quiet and still listening, you know you've hit it on the nail. Yeah. Some, and in your, like he may not be able to say so much the words, like unless you practice this a lot. And unless you make that safe space. So it's like, you know, it's a lot of pressure when, when, when everybody's relying on you. And sometimes they make fun of you when you forget. And sometimes when you get on stage, there's all these lights and everybody's staring at you and you just, your mind just goes blank and you forget your words. That's so hard. So it's acknowledging it and then sitting with them, you know, trusting. I think pe- parents forget this, this big equation of it, which is that we have to trust our kids to empower our kids. We have to believe that they yeah. can do it. We have to believe that. Like, because, you know, part of us that's saying, take them out of it. Like, take them out. It's because we're so afraid they're going to be embarrassed. We're so afraid they're going to be scared. We're so afraid they're going to be faced with hard things and not be able to do it, right? And, like, it's going to scar them for life. Well, if we never give them hard things in life, how are they ever going to learn that there was this mountain and I conquered it, right? And so the, think about Ezra... 20 years from now in a workplace Um, and like feeling that pressure, feeling that fears, feeling all those things. Well, and I'm going to go back to my memory bank. I'm going to go back to the last time I felt like this and what happened the last time I felt like this. Did I quit or did I feel safe? Was I scared? But I did it anyway because I felt supported and heard and seen. Um, And that's what you want to raise your kids. You want to raise your kids... um, preparing them for life later on. Um, and then the last step is just to empower. Um, once, once they've told you how they feel about it, once they've told you, man, this got really hard, then you say, well, when people are talking, what, what can we do? What would make you feel safe in that moment? And, and it will look different for, uh, like he might say, I need my ninja sword and it will make me feel better. You know, it's right for him. It's what makes him feel p- powerful. It's what makes him feel strong. For me, um, uh, in my little pool, uh, fear of death the other day, <laughs> it was, it was um, just knowing that I, in my head, I just had this chant in my head and it was just like, you're stronger this, than this. You got this. Just one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And so it was just you know, one, one stroke at a time, one stroke at a time, one stroke at a time. And when I got out, I felt victorious. I felt like I had conquered the world. I felt like I had like climbed Mount Everest and it all was like a little pool in my condo. But it felt like I had climbed Mount Everest. And the more important thing is that I will do it again. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and that I conquered a fear today. And like, how do I feel? And so a lot of times we don't allow our kids that experience, that, that, that victory and that joyous of like, I did something really hard. We immediately fix it for them. Um, and I think it's important to, to think about those things. But the other part of it that I also want to be able to recognize is that if your kid is really always be observing, if your kid is saying, I'm terrified of this, I'm really afraid of this. Always open up the conversation on why. What is happening? Is there a teacher that he doesn't like? Maybe that teacher's being disrespectful to him. Or um, maybe there's a friend that's, that's, yeah. that's just really rude to him. And like making sure that you have that conversation with him. Um, uh, making sure that he knows that he can always come to you and tell you these ugly bad, horrible things that are happening because it's as small as my friend made fun of me today 
And then 20 years down the road, this boy did something to me, Mama, and it hurt. And yes, now definitely. I feel ugly and I feel horrible. And, and Can their, I tell you the story? Their perception is amazing. Yes. They remember the smallest, yes. most minute yes. pieces yes. of... Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and you remember, they're like little little kids with brains that are not fully developed. So yes. for them, like, it's she looked at me thing. the wrong way, you know, and it was it was wrong. Like, you know, like, I wanted the red cup and they took the blue cup away and it was all... And that, therefore, everything is wrong. So a lot of times we say when they're like... Like, like when, when it's like these small things, there's something bigger happening. Yes, yeah. but but it's important as parents not to sort of dismiss it and really dig yes. deeper and find out exactly yes. what's what's been yes. causing it. And, yes, because I mean, a lot of times happening? people say, "Oh, I'm spoiling them. I am I am making room for all these things that like I'm just give I I'm 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 creating the problem." That that's the fear, I yeah. suppose, for, yeah. for many parents. But think about the tornado that lives underneath all of us. Right, we we give out little drops and pieces of the the ocean, right? And it's only when someone sits with us in the pain and says, "I realize that you've been having a really hard time." Hey, do you? Can I come sit with you for a while? Can I just give you a hug? I mean, how many times when we were like completely stressed, we have the tornado going on. Someone gives us a hug, like a hug with love, and we're just like, <laughs> and the tornado comes out. But yep. all we need it. But we've been so strong. We we keep it up. Right, we keep this mass, yes. and somebody breaks through that barrier, and now we feel like we can shift from that. Now we feel like we're able to sort of like move on from that because somebody sat with us, because somebody saw us, because somebody heard us. So, as parents, like my number one job is to me is to raise um, Ella Grace to be kind, to be confident, to be resilient, but more so than that. Um, to really know that she has a voice, that she's seen, that that her feelings are valid. Right. Um, and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I sit with her in the tornado, if I make room for her, if I create a relationship with her. So I'm still her parents. So one of the big things we say is um, we see the world through their eyes, but we respond as parents. So she still has boundaries. She still has rules. Like, you know, like I think it's great that you said okay, um, let's, can, are we able to, we've made a commitment. Because a lot of times, you know, with teamwork, you know, with team, team sports, you know, we've made a commitment to the team and we need to see that through unless it's like something that is like, you know, someone's hurting them or someone is like, yes, you know, definitely. then absolutely no, I would take her out immediately. But if it's just, you know, this is really hard, then it's sort of sitting with them in the pain and saying, how can I help you? But we are committed to this. You know, we've said that we're going to do soccer for the rest of the year. Would it help if I sit with you during practice? Yeah. You know, things like that. All right. And uh, I I suppose a valid uh, question to ask at this point is, you know how parents these days, they all work so hard and they barely get to see their kids sometimes. So how do you find the time to be so observant and how to have all these conversations at the right time? Because, you know, you you do go home... uh, late after work and you are very tired and the kid is not in the best of moods as well after a very long day at school or daycare so how how do you do it how Mm. do you cope children's love language is play Mm. and so a lot of times parents think that you have to go take them on this adventure you have to go do this special thing you have to take them on a date and all they really want you is to sit down and play cards with them sit down and read a book to me. Um, And it's, you know, the reality is for some of us, it's like, I have five minutes, I have five minutes, I have 10 minutes, like, but 
if I only have five minutes and 10 minutes, how do I make those five minutes and 10 minutes count? How do I make it, um, make them feel heard and seen and loved in those five and 10 minutes? And if their love language is play, then let's play whatever they want to play. Like for my daughter and I, you know, my job takes me, uh, I travel a lot. And I also, I've gone, gone a lot of weekends um, because parents want workshops on weekends. Um, and so for us, it's me taking a day in the week off to spend that whole day with her. And for her, you know, on that day, it's not so much going anywhere. What she wants to do is she wants to cook with mama. She wants to um, tell me her story. She wants me to read to her. Um, and so being really intentional about that time. Today on the way, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell you like this mama guilt story. On the way here, um, it, it's it, on the way to our interview, um, I'm trying to catch up on work because I'm like, okay, I've got to do this interview after the And so I'm like trying to catch up on work. I'm on my phone and she said, mama, remember we have to be present <laughs> I was like, ah, and I was like, oh, you really want me to put my away my phone? You really, you're feeling left out. So I was acknowledging, feeling the guilt and the shame of myself. Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm a terrible role, like role model. And so putting away my phone and saying, being present with them in the five minutes that you have in the text, because it's something as small as she's on the way to school, I'm on the way to work. Yes. Can I make that, that moments count? Even if I'm the one driving, you yes, know, talking yes. to her, singing a song. Like, you know, to her, like, bonding is singing uh, the new Frozen song 5,000 times. That is her <laughs> feeling heard and seen because I've shared this experience with her. Yes. Um, there's also a really lovely article that we have coming out on Leadonomics that talks about leading with love and also talks about, like, really appealing to your child's love languages. All right. Okay. Uh, so, so essentially, be mindful, uh, be observant, uh, find the time to ask the the heart to heart questions, yes. and spend a lot of time to understand your child and, and, really, and really respect what they are going through. Sharing the experience with them, getting in mm -hmm. the boat, climbing in with them, and saying. Uh, you know, a lot of times we just want someone to sit on the balcony with us and say, "I will not let you drown." I will hold on to you. I will root you on. Because that's my husband said, like, I'll just sit here and I'll root you on and you will feel it, you know? And I felt it, you know? It was just as small because I felt like he was on the balcony and somebody wasn't going yes. to let me fall and somebody wasn't going to let me drown. And, and, and it was up to me. I still had to do the work. I still had to swim to, you know, back and forth and yes. do the workout. But I felt heard. I felt seen. I felt loved. I felt supported. And I was like, we did this. And then to come upstairs and just look at each other and, like, celebrate, like, oh, Holy cow, I did it, you know. <laughs> and so doing that for your child. Yes. Like, you know, like, you know, so coming back to Ezra, you know, maybe we've already taken him out of class, but it's never too late to go back to him and say, hey, remember this thing that you did? I just want to tell you, thank you so much for telling me that you didn't want to do it. Because sometimes we forget to thank them for yes. telling you about the hard stuff, right? And, and saying, like, the next time this happens, what can we do about it? So it's never too late to come back. All right. Then thanks, Rachel, for coming in and sharing with us. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadernomics FM, the science of building leaders.